61, District 6. Stage 1 shooting. Skimmer Wayne, near Lakeland, Charles, 478 Tango. 378-1654. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Sevalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, it's about that time of the week, ladies and gentlemen, for another exciting episode of Inside EMS, the nearly famous Inside EMS. And I gotta tell you, we appreciate all the emails we're getting, we appreciate all the fans that we're picking up. And uh, I wouldn't be as successful as I am uh, doing this if it wasn't for our co-host, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, come on in here. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. What Thank you for having me on the show. Is that, is that what I sound like? You're, making, you're not making no. fun of me, are you? No, no. I actually, I found myself, I found myself channeling uh, uh, Greg Freeze. Uh, oh, I see, yeah. <laughs> hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show. I think you're a little bit more animated than Greg would be. So, <laughs> yeah, just go. the Patrick the Starfish of EMS. It's uh, he's a lot smarter than Patrick. But every time I hear Patrick on uh, SpongeBob, I-, I think of Greg somehow. You know, one um, the, I'm really excited. We got EMS Expo coming up, and actually, oh, yeah. I'm going to be doing a uh, moderating a education discussion, and Greg Fries is going to be one of our panelists, and I'm really excited. To, uh, and I got to tell you, anytime Greg talks about education, it's like that EF Hutton commercial years back when EF Hutton talks, everybody listens. Everyone listens, yeah. Yeah, when Greg Freeze talks about education, you really have to pay attention to that. But uh, so Kelly, good week. Everything going on good down there in uh, Louisiana. You know, we're I'm in the home stretch of an EMT class, about to get it wrapped up, and and hopefully whip these guys into shape to to get to national registry. And but I'll have some free time, so I'll actually be able to to go out and do some some Kelly things and turn some expensive ammunition to smoke and noise, which is always nice. Always exciting, and you won't make it to. The EMS Expo this year. EMS Expo this year. Hopefully next year. But I'm uh, I've got some other engagements going on that are going to conflict with that. So uh, I'm going to have to sit out EMS Expo this year. But hopefully we'll you you guys can uh, I'll call into the show when we uh, when you do your podcast from the expo floor and and uh, make an appearance there if not in person but at least in spirit. That's right. We'll hold up a big picture of you. But one of the things we're trying to do out there for everybody listening is we are trying to do a show from EMS Expo. We're working with EMS One on a room and. And uh, we're going to kind of brief you on that as soon as we hear. And we'd like you to come and visit us and check it out. We'll get some live questions from the audience for Kelly and us. And uh, we appreciate it. Let's go ahead and start this process. We'll do it every year. But let's go ahead and talk about the news. There were some great news stories, Kelly. And I yeah, know you're going to hit us with one first. And kind of you know, comes from the files of the news of the weird. Yeah, this is, this is I call this the, the EMS Vuja Day files. Because, you know, normal people get to experience deja vu now and then. The feeling that something like this has happened before. But only in EMS do you get Vuja Day. Where, where you get the feeling that this is a first. You're seeing something that has never happened before. And in that vein, from Aurora, Colorado, a man is in critical condition after he was run over by his own van when he dropped a lit cigarette into his jacket and jumped out of the moving van. Vehicle. Crazy. At least try to do it without laughing. Craziness here, Kelly. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. The the poor man is in critical condition because the vehicle ran over his head. He is expected to survive, according to the Denver Post. But um, uh, the police noted in a release: we remind drivers of the dangers of distracting and encouraging to eliminate distractions whenever possible. Eating, cell phones, reading, smoking, excessively loud music, or you know, dropping a lit cigarette into your clothing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I would think that that I would think that that's a uh, something that you don't want to do. But I gotta tell you, I mean, when we talk about these d- distracted drivers and you know yes. smoking and the eating, the I actually saw a woman today putting on lipstick while she was driving on the highway. 
But but women have much better accident records than men. That is true. Reconcile that. That uh, is very true. My own theory is that women see a lot more accidents in their rearview mirrors. <laughs> but uh, they don't get in, in near as many accidents as men. So, uh, you know, the uh, the actuarial tables and, and, and stuff are uh, a little more f- uh, favor women a lot better. You but, are uh, absolutely this, right. This deal that, uh, you know, you've got to... It is a perfect uh, metaphor for distracted driving and that sort of thing. This guy was just backing out and uh, was apparently so flustered with uh, with the uh, be- keeping from being burned that he uh, managed to let his car run over his head. It's uh, I had an incident when I was in high school where uh, we went on a hunting trip and the uh, the uh, guy who took us on the the trip uh, dropped a lit cigar down his chest waders uh, and burned a couple of large blisters on his. Um, well, he burned a couple of large blisters in a place that should never ever be blistered, and he uh, he kept my friend and I on the on the trip for two extra days so he wouldn't have to go home and, and explain to his wife how he'd been to Mexico and came home with two blisters on his penis. <laughs> so, that is just horrible, man. You know, um, if I'd imagine that day, if he'd have been in a car, he might well have jumped out and and possibly gotten gotten his head run over. But as it was, he had to tough it out. You were just incorrigible, uh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you got for us, brother? Yeah, I got to say, I mean, mine isn't as exciting as yours is, but uh, I think it's a really good story. And this came out uh, out of L.A. Newspaper probe alleges that nepotism among the L.A. firefighters. And, uh, you know, the byline is at least 183 sons of current or former firefighters have served on the force since the start of 2012. Uh, The L.A. Times investigation reports that in the last seven years, more than 12,600 people have applied and nearly 95% have been turned away. And, uh, you know, and at that rate... 183 firefighters were hired, which means that 3,000 sons would have applied and didn't make the cut. And apparently, you know, yeah, apparently, if, if those numbers hold up, it seems like a disproportionately uh, um, high number of, of uh, applicants. Right, and uh, you know, you talk about nepotism. There are some places that have nepotism policies. There are places that control the nepotism. As far as if you're if you're working at an organization, no one from your family can join, or it's very mm-hmm. very confined as to who can join. But we're talking about things here. This is some staggering numbers, and there are people that yeah. want to get jobs. Uh, when we talk about cronyism, when we talk about you know folks that are you know just being let in because they have their family members there, and I'm all for getting a leg up. But here's one of the things that really kind of perplexed me, or or really kind of bothered me about this story, Kelly, is there is some accusation and of course we don't know truth or not and hopefully the investigation clears uh, the firefighters of any wrongdoing that maybe they were circulating some of the answers to the questions uh, that were going to be on the hiring process i think that really kind of steps over that line yes it yes it does you know i I was i was going to take a a slightly contrary view to yours because you know if there's one thing that i will i'm in uh, admire the fire service for is they understand and practice the concept of brotherhood uh, a lot better than EMS does. And, and you hear these things spoken of with pride that you know you're a third or a fourth generation firefighter. And, and I think there's you know there's something uh, there there's something to applaud in that 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 you know it's a proud tradition and 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 it's nice to see your sons and your grandsons carry that tradition on. But I don't think that it should be. Uh, at the expense of other qualified applicants, and, and as long as the bar is evenly set, 
um, meaning just just what you pointed out that they're not uh, they're not doing skullduggery like like sharing the uh, exam questions on the app uh, on the screening process and everything. I, I'm I'm all for it, uh, but as long as the bar is evenly set and and from their numbers from the L.A. Times numbers these. You know these 183 fire, uh, hired firefighters. If they were were actually hired at the rate that the the rest of the population is, that would that would have meant that 3,000 sons applied, uh, and only 183 were fired. And I, I mean, were hired, and and I highly doubt those numbers. It seems that they're disproportionately hiring members of, uh, you know, of of families and fine if that's you know if if they're actually more qualified but i i I have a hard time believing that and uh just something that that shouldn't be going on well we hopefully will know more when the uh, la times follows up on the story right and uh let's go ahead and we'll go to our last story next story comes from athens ohio this is from the 28th thieves burglarize an athens ems station stealing uh several duffel bags containing uniforms and id cards the uh, ambulance crews were at a Halloween block party when uh, whoever the perpetrators were threw a gas grill uh, propane tank through the rear window and, and they stole uh, a bunch of personal uh, items and uniforms and, and ID cards. And while I, you know, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that this is, you know, a part of a larger plot and saying that there was a purpose in specifically stealing uniforms and ID cards, it does highlight the, the risks uh, and the dangers that are out there that, you know, if you can so easily obtain ID cards, the, these are often magnetically coded that allow you into secured areas in the hospitals, um, and, and you can impersonate, you know, a, a, a public official or public safety uh, personnel pretty easily. Um, this is this is the kind of thing where where you know terrorism rears its ugly head, and you you uh, wonder if if those things are so easily obtained, um, maybe we need to practice a little better security at our ambulance stations and, and keep that in mind. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think one of the things that we are not great at is uh, I think we get very complacent that you know everything's going to be okay where we are you know we leave the yeah. keys in the ignition we yeah, leave the it never the, happened to us we're the good guys that's right the ignition uh you got the keys in the ignition you got the ambulance running you know you've got uh you know whatever it is we're leaving the computers in there we're leaving the radios yep. in there and you know we're starting to see more and more that people are stealing ambulances we're starting oh, to yeah. see more and more we're worried about this terrorism threat every week and we don't know where uh, the next big thing is going to happen. And, and we really now have to start worrying about this complacency. You know, and I use complacency a lot, and I, I just as a little subset here, I was reminded the other day that another word for complacency is laziness. Yep. So what we have to now start to think about is we have to start to think about our diligence in keeping our equipment safe, in keeping our crew safe, in keeping our, our, our obviously, our, our uniforms and our badges safe. Because we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, hopefully they find out who did this in Athens, Ohio. But as you mentioned, how do you know that this isn't part of a bigger plot somewhere down the line? Exactly. I mean, you start to see the police officers, people are, are uh, pretending to be police officers, which is, a, of course, a felony. Uh, I don't know. Is there a lot of states that have that if you impersonate an EMT, it's a felony? I'm not sure if it is a felony in, in Louisiana, or at least it's it's not a uh, a um, major felony. It may well be. I, I, I really don't know. But yeah, some states uh, those have uh, started to make those uh, felonies to to impersonate an EMT. I've worked with, uh, you know, I'm sad to say that I've actually worked with some people that impersonated EMTs successfully for several years. 
uh, and got paid for it and got paid and for got it, paid yeah. for it. Yeah, with, you know, uh, twenty years ago, I worked with a, a paramedic uh, for a, a now defunct company that that had been a paramedic at one time, um, and his certification elapsed ten years prior, uh, and was had been basically just uh, photocopying and uh, changing the dates on his national registry card. You know, I actually thought you were teasing. I actually thought you were no. saying that you had EMTs there that were pretending to be EMTs and collecting. <laughs> so I thought you were well, kind of joking, but you're serious. This really yeah, happened. I am serious. And, and we do have some of the kind that you're talking about as well. That's what I thought. I thought you were goofing around for a minute. No, no this guy had, had uh, and the way it was way he was caught was our, our state ambulance inspector checked, uh, you know, checked uh, routine check of certifications one day and and discovered that this guy had a current ems card uh national registry card with rocco Miranda's signature on it oh my so, goodness and during that time and it was sad to say the guy had, you know at least kept uh current as far as his knowledge base he was actually a pretty competent paramedic uh, but he just wasn't he wasn't legit he'd never bothered to do all the things that are required to keep your your licensure uh current during that, the two years that he worked for this agency, uh, he had, had also told many of the police officers uh, that he was certified to do uh, DUI blood draws. So, yeah, they had to throw out about three or four hundred oh my goodness. Uh, DUI what, cases. Um, what a that mess that was. Out. It was horrible. But, you know, just think, you read every week. There's not a week that goes by that we don't see some news headline of an ambulance being stolen somewhere. And, and, and it's because, quite frankly, we pay poor attention to unit security when we park it. Uh, and, and I'm guilty of that as, as well. Um, I try to be a little more diligent uh, knowing how prevalent the problem is. But it doesn't, you know, most of the time that some doofus who's going for a joyride or, or, or uh, you know, someone who's, who's looking for drugs. But how easy would it be? For someone to to look around at a you know at an ambulance bay somewhere and take an idling ambulance and drive it away, and pack it full of uh, ammonium nitrate fertilizer bombs sure. and then pull it into an underground ambulance bay parking garage. Right. Uh, Up against the hospital emergency room. Right at, against the hospital emergency room. You know, I, I a number of them we work at are, are underground. Um, so. You know, the the potential for, for a great deal of harm is there, and it's not just, you know, inconveniencing you on the next call and, and saving your uh, – and costing your company money uh, uh, in an ambulance crash or something. It's a, It could be a, a very large danger to public safety. So, um, Yeah, that's a great point yeah, that you bring up. Guys. And we got to start to think about that. I mean, we're worried about – I mean, all those things that we start to see with – you know, with ISIS and, you know, people coming to the United States and, you know, the folks we talked about last week, Kelly, the, the horrible death of the uh, office uh, of the uh, Army Reservist up there in Canada. Yep. Uh, you know, this terrorism is starting to pop up. And, and, you know, you bring up the good points now is that, you know, they're stealing ID cards. They're stealing uniforms. Is this for some bigger plot? Let's go ahead and steal an ambulance and let's get it right up against these hospitals. Because now if you're going to it, and I guess we get into the conspiracy theorists, uh, theory side of things if we're, if we're going to you know have some challenges let's take the hospital out where they're not going to be able to help these people that we're killing downtown yep yep so. you know and it's it's something that, that bears consideration I, I don't i don't want to lapse into con- conspiracy theory uh, territory but you know as the saying goes um uh just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that someone isn't really out to get you <laughs> you know is that what your therapist um, told you yeah yeah, that's what my therapist told me, but, you know, I'm not sure. He may be lying to me. It's yeah, probably right. a conspiracy. He's just waiting for the um, checks to clear. That's the problem. 
Exactly. Well, I mean, there's a lot of great things in the news. Go ahead and check out the stuff that's on EMS1 in the news, and uh, I think you won't be disappointed. And, and check out those news stories, because they're going on within our career fields, and it's really good to see what's going on around you know, around us and what's going on in other cities and what other folks are doing within our career field. So I really appreciate the, the opportunity to talk about the news segment. Well, Kelly, let's go ahead and talk about the clinical issue. And, and you know, one of the things I think you and I do best is, is education. And that's where I cut my teeth and, and really kind of helped my leadership uh, build was, was being a good educator. And certainly your reputation precedes you when we talk about EMS education. And, you know, you had the opportunity to recently go to the uh, Massachusetts EMS conference uh, you, you do a lot of traveling when it comes to going to EMS conferences. EMS Expo is coming up in Nashville here pretty soon in another couple of weeks. And I thought it was really important that maybe you and I should discuss the importance of going to EMS conferences and, and what that really means for you as an individual, what it can do for you, and, uh, you know, kind of the funds and the pitfalls and the, you know, the commonalities to some of these, uh, some of these uh, conferences that you go to. And I'm going to let you start. I mean, you go to far more conferences than I go to. You get to interact with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, just from your standpoint, if you're going to just say what is the most important thing that comes out of EMS conferences, what do you give us? Probably the biggest thing you get from EMS conferences is a broadened perspective. Uh, as the saying goes, you know, if you've seen one EMS system, you've seen one EMS system. There's so much variety in, in both education and provider perspective and system design and everything else that one of the biggest, you know, pitfalls we have with our own in-house education departments is it winds up to be, uh, it often runs the risk of being very insular uh, and we convince ourselves that we know the best ways of doing things uh, and we reject any outside influence. And that's the recipe for stagnation in any organization is if you don't get enough influence from the outside um, and a little cross-pollination of ideas and that sort of thing. And that's one of the things that strikes me as being the the you know the primary benefit of going to EMS conferences is you can you can hear for relatively low cost uh, you can hear uh, a variety of, of experts in their in their own subject matter uh, from around the country from from a variety of different EMS systems uh, talk about what's going on in their systems what's important to them how they address these these issues and and you get great ideas and, and not only that you it, it dispels a, a greatest uh, some of the biggest myths we have and the provinciality that we practice in EMS it makes you actually you know see uh, see things from from other providers perspective for example Chris you go to EMS con by and large what are when you go to one of these conferences what are the biggest you know, what's the biggest demographic of attendees that you you typically see at these conferences it looks like the demographics is the younger uh, paramedics that we see in our career field. Would they be paid or are they more often volunteers? You know what? I think that's a good question. Um, I'm going to think a lot of them are volunteers. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, we all, you know, many of us in EMS uh, like to bash on volunteers. And, and, and I've, I'm on record as saying that I don't think volunteerism as an institution is good for the future of EMS and I and I hold to that but I tell you what what you always encounter at these EMS conferences is is a group of dedicated people who want to further their education and, and get a broader perspective and learn more about EMS and by and large these people are volunteers the people that I rarely see at EMS conferences are people from large 
urban fire departments and third, uh, third service EMS systems, you know, that probably have pretty robust education departments on their own. But once again, are they actually learning how EMS is, is done or should be done or, or are they are just getting more indoctrination in their own organizational culture? And that's that's the thing that, that conferences bring to the table is, is you get a, you know, you get that broadened perspective and you, you start to see that, hey, you know, not every not every EMS, uh, urban EMS system uh, in, a, in a major city actually has it all going on and, and knows, uh, knows exactly how things should be done and not sure. every volunteer is a clueless amateur. Right, right. Uh, it, it doesn't. They don't fit that mold. It shatters a lot of stereotypes. Yeah, and I think they're one of the things that come from the EMS conferences as well. And a lot of states are doing this as well. They're going out of their way to bring in some recognized speakers, pe- mm-hmm. speakers that have been on the national speaking circuit, and speakers that have columns, and speak with speakers that have made their, you know, kind of their reputation in EMS. And, and they're really doing a great job of that. Now we got EMS Expo that's. Kind it's going to begin on November 9th, and there's going to be a, a, a plethora of uh, you know EMS speakers, and you hear the experiences, and you hear you know the, the, their little special niche in EMS. You know, we had Tom mm-hmm. Boothley on last week, who was talking to us about EKGs. If you ever have the opportunity to sit and listen to a class, you know he's going to make you really think as to I need to learn more about this you know cardiology knowledge. Kelly, uh, anytime that you're speaking at a conference, I try to get to it because you're very entertaining. Uh, I always get a chuckle out of listening to you speak because you have uh, a, a certain uh, draw to you that, and I don't mean your accent draw, but a certain yeah. draw to you that you make EMS easy. I mean, you yeah. bring well, in some really practical uh, ways of looking at EMS that I always wind up finding a, a you know an easier way to explain something but you know so I think that that's really what I enjoy is I enjoy uh, you know the, listening to the different speakers uh, you know and as a speaker myself I could tell you this one of the things that I always try to do is to pick up some di- tidbits on presentation skills oh, yeah. that you may see from another speaker to say I really like his style he's moving around the room really well you know I like the you know he's putting his hand in his pocket hopefully it's just for effect and he's not really enjoying that too much you know or whatever that is but i think there's a lot of things that come from going to conferences well yeah and you know as a speaker uh, not only do i i I get a a bird's eye view of of how ems is practiced in other agencies uh and and other states uh for example louis you know i go to to ems conferences around the country and i see so many volunteers uh and that's a kind of a, a unique experience for me because louisiana doesn't have em volunteer ems there are none we i think the last know our last volunteer yeah we we have um you know we have volunteer fire departments that do ems first response but you know i think our last volunteer ems transport agency in louisiana shut down you know 15 16 years ago um it's just not it's all privates and uh you know either uh, third service municipal in the in the larger urban cities uh urban areas and and uh and there's some fire department based ems but you know i, I don't get a chance to talk to uh first responder uh, volunteers all that much unless i go out of state and and you you get an idea that there are you know there are you know pockets of excellence all around this country that don't necessarily have a medical director that speaks at the eagles conference you know and and people people look at you know the gathering of eagles as as the the cream of the crop and uh uh, i'll disagree with that in some cases i'm with you i'm with you 100 percent on that you know there's there's a there's a few buzzards in there amongst the eagles and um 
you know, you, you wouldn't, uh, unless you, you uh, are active, uh, actively pursuing education outside your own agency, you wouldn't realize that Hilton Head Fire Department is a hotbed of, of EMS cardiology knowledge. But when you talk to Tom Boothelay, you realize what a, what a uh, resource he is uh, to that department and to that area. Uh, I was speaking at EMS Expo a, a few years back on sepsis. Um, and in my in my uh, lecture on sepsis, I had, uh, or in researching that lecture, I had had pulled some information from uh, uh, South Denver Metro's uh, sepsis alert protocol. So I'm talking about this, and I made a mention of South Denver Metro and how they were really uh, uh, groundbreaking uh, in their in their development of a sepsis alert protocol. And there's this guy in the back of the audience who's who's nodding knowingly. He comes up to me after the the. Uh, uh, lecture and says, "Man, it was some great information." By the way, my name is uh, Ryan Mayfield. <laughs> and I said, "Well, <laughs> well, dude, you know, if you'd have, if you'd have raised your hand, I'd have given you a shout out. You know, I stole most of your stuff for for this lecture." So, That's funny. Uh, and and he's you know he was uh, he was very supportive and, and helped me uh, tweak the lecture even more. But that's the kind of thing that you get as a speaker. At, at these EMS conferences, and you also get so many different things as a uh, uh, as a, uh, a participant. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come up to me after conferences and go, "That's good stuff. We don't do that. I've never heard of that before. Uh, right. I, I didn't know people were doing that in other areas." And that goes um, back to your point. And just to cut you off, that goes back to your point of the dogma of EMS that we're, mm-hmm. we're we're teaching you know the same stuff over and over and over again mm-hmm. and people aren't getting that fresh knowledge i gotta tell yeah. you every time that i say to people you know that the 12 lead ekg only looks at the left ventricle and nothing else yeah they go what i but it, it, it shocks them because they don't even hear that when they're in school from their instructors no. and now you have the opportunity to hear some good stuff and i guarantee you you know you listen to some of these speakers that are there you're going to walk away you're going to learn something you know every day uh, and every time you do that the other things that you need to do is when you go to the conference is the stuff that you hear and learn try bring to implement it bring it back and, and talk yeah. to talk to your peers and you know when i go one of the con- things that i do at the conferences you know when folks come with me from the department is they have to write their experience and, and what it meant to them and what they learned to share with the workforce oh, yeah. but here's another thing that i think is really cool as well and you know we all go there to learn and we all go there to pick up some tidbits of knowledge education and and leadership and so on and so forth but how about that camaraderie i mean oh, the yeah. opportunity to sit and hang out with kelly grayson and and hear the stories up front and, and to talk to some of the leaders that are in EMS and, you know, sit at the bar and, and have an adult beverage. Um, you know, you have the opportunity to laugh. You have the opportunity to hear best practices. You have the opportunity to hear some of these stories that you just say to yourself, there ain't no way that that happened. I think that's a really big benefit as well. It's a it's a great, great way to recharge your, your career batteries a little bit. And, and when you're when you're at a low ebb and, and, and you're, uh, you're worn down by... The, call volume and the administrative minutiae that you have to, to wade through and, and all the things that we don't like about EMS. You have a tendency to only focus on what you don't like about your agency, you know, and you, you lose sight of the fact that there's a whole lot of good things uh, that that you you take for granted. You, you know, you get out of your own little bubble and you go you know, visit some of your peers and, and meet some new people at, in, in other EMS systems, and you gain a greater appreciation of your own. You really do. You come back recharged and and uh, and and ready for the next uh, the next time around. I found it interesting. You you were saying that you uh, 
that when you send some of your guys to to these conferences, you make them come back and 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 do a little write up on it and say what they got out of it. Is that kind of a condition for uh, Christian Hospital EMS to to send them to the conference, or you give them some homework and say, hey, come back and uh, and and give us a report and 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 bring us some new stuff? Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the things that you know we don't do that necessarily. You know, if you go, you know, you have to do this. I think it's more along the lines of a, you know. You teach what you learned. We have a closed Facebook page that we use in our department, and you know we use that for open shifts and check your emails for and new policy change. You know those types of things, and, and we'll kind of post things on there to say, you know, uh, you know, at the conference we met and we saw great speakers, and this is what we heard. But I think that that's you know the the, the fair thing to do. I mean, if if the organization is going to pick up uh, the opportunity for you to go to a conference, giving something back is share that experiences with the people that you were with. You know. Exactly, yeah. you know, and and I, I was about to say that's that's a very wise way to uh, to approach it. You know, if you're if you're a uh, operations manager, if you're in senior leadership at your EMS agency, and one of your crews comes to you and says, you know, hey, I'd like a little, I'd like to attend this conference. Can I get the days off, or, or can I, uh, you know, can can the uh, department send me, or at least pay my registration and help me defray the cost a little bit? That poses benefits. You can make that work for your agency, not just the not just the the crew member who's attending and send them off with some homework hey bring us back some uh bring us back some some uh promotional materials for some of the cool gadgets that you saw and, and write it up and and uh come back here and, and do a ce session on on what you uh what you learned at the conference because you go to these guys and and i know that i do it with the the lectures i deliver and just about everyone else i know that that lectures at ems conferences is very free about sharing their materials you can walk up to them after the uh, after the lecture and say, "Hey, you know, I really liked what you did. Would you mind shooting me a copy of your lecture?" And and by and large, they'll do it. You know, the only caveat I ever uh, uh, put on it is is if you're going to use my lecture, uh, use my name and keep the title slide there. Right. Um. And and at least you know attribute it uh, properly and tell them where you got it from. But by all means, uh, uh, spread the gospel around a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, because theory, that's, the, that's the, a great opportunity. Yeah, and theoretically, what we're doing is we're hoping to educate and take that education back and, and teach your people who didn't have the opportunity to go, who stayed behind so you could go exactly. and uh, share that knowledge. But, you know, Kelly, it sounds like we got a clinical issue. It is. Uh, it's, a, it's a great clinical issue, and that's one that, that I think uh, agency leaders should, should really pay more attention to. Seek some outside input, guys. Seek some, uh, you know, if, if you've got your, your young go-getters who, uh, or your old go-getters who really want to go out and increase, expand their knowledge base and, and learn how things are done in other agencies, don't be afraid of that. They might bring something back that, that re-energizes and, and moves your organization forward. So uh, let's do that and, and support them in, in their efforts to uh, increase their education. Well, Kelly, I think now it's time to take a seat at the guest table, and, uh, and you know, you well, you know as well as I do. A couple shows back, we had Brian Fass on, and uh, he was talking about his Fit Responder. He also made mention that he was going to do some work with NAMT, and there was going to be an app that was going to be uh, put out in collaboration with NAMT, so we can really kind of customize our workouts. Well, today's that day to bring him back. So why don't you go ahead and introduce him at the guest table? Brian, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here again. You know, it's always great uh, when we have the opportunity to talk about experts, Brian. And I was thinking about this as I was driving home today. You know, there are certain people that are out in our career field that are really 
pioneering, you know, some of these things that we need to take care of. One is ourselves. And when you think about physical fitness, I mean, you certainly are the uh, name at the top of the list that's really taking care of us and thinking about us. You know, we think about, uh, you know, violence. And when we think about, uh, you know, protecting ourselves on scene, of course, Kip T-Sword is the guy, right? And now when we think about money, uh, Sean Eddy seems to be the guy that's uh, raising, you know, to the top. So I got to tell you, it's a real honor for us to have you here on Inside EMS and taking a seat at the guest table. Last time you were here with us, you talked about uh, this collaboration you were doing with NAMT and an app that was going to be put out. Well, that finally hit the streets uh, last Friday. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so, you know, as you guys know, or some, most of you know, NAMT put out their, their recommended fitness guidelines a number of years ago. And, and my complaint and feedback, I shouldn't say complaint. My my feedback and a lot of people others, a lot of other people's take on it, was it was a great guideline, but there wasn't a whole lot of meat behind it. You know, what do we do with this information? So we NAMT approached us a couple about a year ago, and uh, you know, as you said, being kind of the the front runners and and the the thought leaders in in EMS as far as fitness and wellness go, they asked that we put together a program. And I'll be honest with you, initially I didn't even want to entertain developing an app because it's so there's a lot of technology obviously that goes into that. So originally it was going to be web based, and you'd just be tied to your computer or a tablet. Long story short, we we were able to find some some software that we were able to modify. You know, our lives are mobile. We're in our trucks all the time. We're we're basically yep tied to our unit so you know it would have been it would have been kind of dumb on, on our end to not embrace our culture so what we do what we did is we developed this app that we can send you your workout so we nice. you know i i went in and, and designed a whole protocol from basically from zero to hero so from broken down can't move can't touch your toes back hurts all the time and, and to be able to walk you through a process to make you fit feel better, have better biomechanics, so your ergonomics are better, so your chance of getting hurt is reduced. We put the whole package together. Nice. What's the, what's the, uh, the name of the app, Ryan? The app is actually called Pump One. So the, the, the only confusing thing about it is you have to basically sign up for the service first. And then you'll get instructions on how to download the app because the app is a, is a third-party app, which is one of the reasons we were able to keep the cost as low as we were able to. If we had developed it ourselves, it would have been incredibly expensive to do. So cool. we took it. We basically took a third-party app. I can put my own protocols into the app. So most, almost everything that's in there is is absolutely EMS specific. I'm, so, I'm scrolling through uh, through the app store right now, looking for it because if anyone needs a fitness app, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> well, what you got to do is you have to go to you have to go to fitresponderfitness.com and you choose your plan. So there's a monthly gotcha. plan and there's a yearly plan. And if you're an NAMT member, you get $30 off the yearly plan plus a free ebook. So we kind of nice. try to incentivize people. Once you choose your plan and you sign up, you're given instructions of, of where to go to get the app to download it. And at that point, it's already been activated mm-hmm. and your workouts will populate daily. That's just incredible. And let me ask you this as Kelly goes on and, and tries to uh, navigate through there. <laughs> how do you get the information? I mean, so here I yeah. am. You know, I'm a 49-year-old guy. I'm probably about 30 pounds overweight. 
you know, uh, I'm pretty sedentary except for work, and, you know, I don't really do too much for myself, and I'm, you know, I try to eat as healthy as I can, but them cheeseburgers are just so good. Um, <laughs> but how do you get the information now? How do you set something up specifically for me? So there's a couple of different options, you know, understanding, have, spending my entire career doing physical therapy, sports medicine, rehabilitation, personal training, paramedic, the whole nine yards. I understand the psychology behind exercise. Some people want a completely customized routine. And if that's the case, <clears throat> when you get your onboarding sequence, so you get a series of emails that tell you what to do, how to set your goals, and then you've got our email address. So you can email me, you can email one of my other trainers and say, hey, this is where I am, this is what I think I need, what do you think I need to do? Well, your first workout is actually a movement screen. So we're going to send you seven movements, you're going to do them, you're going to grade yourself, and you're going to email us back the results. And from there, we start to design your routine. Uh, now, that's for people who want a customized routine. Some people like being anonymous. Let's just admit it. They they just want they want their workout. Give me my workout. Show me what to do. Problem. You'll get your workout. Depending on where you are in the phase, you're going to get your workout each day. Or sometimes you may just get one workout a week, and that's something you need to do three times a week. We send you your pre-shift stretching routine. We send you your attend. I just sent out today, right before we got on uh, on this on the show, I sent out a, a 10 minute energy booster. Um, you know, you've, you've been, your call volume has been too high. You missed your workout, make an excuse to work out and make uh, instead of not to work out. So I have a 10 minute workout you do in the back of your truck. You know, one of the things that, that I really like about the program is, is you, it doesn't require specific exercise equipment. It doesn't require, you know, pretty much anything other than the time to actually go through the, through the fitness exercises. You can do them on duty and in uniform, which is, which is perfect for me. I get off work and, and I want to sleep. Uh, if I'm going to exercise, it's going to be in the afternoons when I wake up or while I'm on shift. And, uh, you know, there's just not a, there, there's precious little opportunity to do that unless you have some type, some type of program that allows you to, uh, or, you know, that encourages you to do it on duty in between calls. Yeah, and we yep. get, you know, Kelly, that's a great point. I mean, because we get, yeah, admit it, we'll read anything. We'll do anything. Oh, yeah. We're sitting on that street corner. We're waiting for that call. And I think the, the you know, the experience that you have, Brian, with the EMS career field, gives you the best opportunity to say and then kind of bring your knowledge in on exercise to best say hey i know what's going on in the back of that ambulance and this is the best way that you can take care of yourself i really think that that's a uh, you know that's a plus for this whole process H how long did it take you to kind of put things like that together you know what was kind of fun about this is <clears throat> you know i wrote i've written god knows how many articles at this point and i'm on my second book on ems fitness and wellness so the, the the process and the methodology and the science has been there for really the past 10 years all we've done now is basically digitized it we we listen to our our you know when we go out and we do our injury prevention classes we do our ergonomics training we listen to what the medics are telling us hey i don't have time hey I, our, our our department has no equipment I yeah. can't afford a gym membership. What can I do? Well, you know what? You can get a $20 exercise band that you can get on Amazon or, or you know, we've got a, we give you a bunch of different options where you can get the stuff. You can strap it to the door of the truck and we'll send you 50 different exercises that you can do in the back of your truck. No problem. So, you know, my thing is, like I, like I mentioned earlier, make an excuse to work out, not an excuse not to work out. You know, whether it's a body weight exercise, maybe, you know, most stations, you find a pair of old dumbbells in the closet. No problem. There's, there's your gym. 
doesn't have to be fancy to be effective. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. I, I think we should make that the saying of our show, Kelly. It doesn't have to be fancy to be effective. That, that, <laughs> okay. That should be the motto. That should be the motto of the show. Doesn't have to be fancy to be effective. That's right. Nothing if. Uh, if not fancy, so. Well, Brian, it's always great when you come and share with us, and I, I think that maybe we should get you on, uh, you know, pretty regular. Maybe you could, uh, you know, share a little bit more of that information with us. But you know, for the folks that are listening out there, I mean, there are so many things. I mean, you travel around the United States and you set up physical fitness programs with EMS agencies. You you got your articles now with the app. Go ahead and plug this stuff and uh, let the folks out there know how they can get get in touch with uh, with you and your expertise to uh, have a better uh, quality of uh, life and uh, exercise and nutrition and motivation and all those other things that go into uh, physical fitness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> there's really two different avenues. Uh, for the fitness side, uh, obviously, fitresponderfitness.com. That's how you, you learn about the app, You know, decide whether you want a, a monthly plan or, or a yearly plan or whatever your goals are. That's really designed for, you know, for the individual. We go to departments. We do train the trainer classes. We'll set up the gym for you. I mean, we'll actually help you spec out and price out your, 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 uh, your station-friendly gym. That's the fitness side. The other side is fitresponder.com. That's where we do our injury prevention training. So we have an entire process and curriculum designed to reduce provider injury. And that's actually how we started in this in, in EMS was going in and doing injury prevention programs. You know, we're, my expertise, as much as I love fitness, my expertise is EMS ergonomics. I know how to teach you how not to get hurt lifting, moving, pushing, pulling, and carrying. And so there's really, there's two different avenues uh, that, that we can help, in, whether it's the individual or help a department uh, succeed and, and field a, a healthier workforce. And that, you know, that's something that, that uh, I, th- I think departments pay, uh, you know, in general pay very little attention to. Um, uh, Acadian uh, is being the exception of the rule in my experience. You know, I find most of them are, are kind of penny wise and, and pound foolish. Uh, and as a result, they wind up spending a lot more money in, in lost time accidents and workers' comp claims and, and, and uh, you know, staffing problems for, for people out. Where, whereas, a, a, you know, an in-house fitness program and, and some type of wellness and, and uh, fitness program would, would be, you know, a good investment. Uh, and it actually pays for itself in the long run. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the metrics are there. We know it. Oh, the yeah. problem is most departments are either they don't know where to start, they think it's going to be too expensive, or, yeah. you know, it's the fire of the day. I mean, the department I'm training right now, I hate to say the word, but it's Ebola. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the fire to put out today. So you focus on everything else except the thing that makes the wheels on the truck turn, which is the person driving it. Yeah. It's investing investing in your most valuable resource. And that's yeah, the and it goes just even beyond physical fitness, and I think as a as a uh, point of uh, you know success, we need to focus on our most the important resource, and that's our workforce. But Brian, it's always great to talk to you, and uh, we got a lot of great information. I'm going to go ahead and check out the website, and maybe you can help me with thirty pounds. But Kelly, I think it's about that time again. Yeah, you know, we yeah, we're going to put the wraps on another show. And uh, I got to tell you, man, every time we come and we sit and we chat, it's kind of like hanging out with the boys, man. So I appreciate you being there. But why don't you go ahead and get us out of here and let's end another show. Guys, uh, once again, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. And if you have questions for Chris or I, or uh, if you want to have some more questions for um, Brian Foss, just email us with your questions, comments, and concerns at the show at ems1.com. And we will see you next week.